Welcome to Family Owned, a legacy leadership podcast exploring generational leadership success for family businesses. Brought to you by the Ole Miss Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship. If you're ready to take your family owned business to new and perpetual heights, stay tuned to hear compelling insight from experienced business leaders who will help you set your business up for generational advancement. Whether you want to go public, stay private, or make international inroads. Now, keep listening for how to leave an enduring legacy through exceptional leadership. And I am Dr. Clay Dibrell. I'm a professor of management and entrepreneurship at the University of Mississippi, and I'm also the co-director for the Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship. We're very fortunate today to have Kat Primos with us from Butler Snow. Uh, He's at the Ridgeland office here in Mississippi. Uh, CAP does a lot with the representation of buyers and sellers and business acquisitions in various industries with a wide range of transactional values. Likewise, he represents private businesses and formation, organization, and business planning, including shareholder and LLC operating agreements. And today's uh, Legacy Leadership Podcast is going to be slightly different because we're really focused on uh, much more related to actually the entrepreneurial side of a business, the family business, and relationship to exiting and succession and things of that nature. So very fortunate to have Cap with us today. Welcome, Cap. Thanks for having me, Clay. Appreciate it. Cap, when is selling a family business the right thing to do? And what kind of stage of development should these family businesses be at when they're trying to sell? Well, it's... there's no one size fits all right time. You know, any you know successful deal is going to be one that closes. It's got an acceptable after tax payout to the buyer, to the, excuse me, to the owners, and acceptable post closing risk allocation. Um, you know, the a, a good way to think of selling any kind of business, whether it's family or, or otherwise, is you know it's kind of like selling a house. You know, if it's move in ready, or there's a lot of work to be done. You know, that's going to just going to affect the values. You know, but you know, as a general matter, you don't want to sell before it's too ripe. You know, if you've got liquidity issues, you know, kind of ownership disputes, you know, estate planning deficiencies, especially if it's a family business, um, you know, lack of any kind of shared vision among the owners. You know, those things can sometimes be a catalyst for having to sell before it's ripe. And, you know, that can that can decrease value for everybody. Uh, but there's no one size fits all. It, it just depends on, you know, the, the situation, really. Well, I think we both know, uh, especially you, have dealt with family businesses where sometimes they may wait too long. And that kind of gets us to the point in terms of should a, should a family business sell when there are no successors or wait until the CEO can no longer manage? Like when, And it's always that timing issue. And I like how you talked about it, ripeness, how yeah. ripe is the business? Yeah, if you get to that point where you're kind of um, – where you're – that kind of sounds like an end of – kind of end of the road kind of situation, you know, a seller is going to get a little more desperate. I don't know if desperate is the right word, but they're going to be more motivated to sell. They might lose leverage on certain negotiating points, if not also, you know, price and, and, and those sorts of things. Um, you know, and a, a buyer can some, you know, they can find that out or, or at least notice that through the process. And, and that's what you don't want to happen. So, those are the kind of things that, you know, for families, you got to kind of really think ahead. And if you start seeing some of those things, you know, out there, you got really got to work on it. So. And so to that point, it kind of almost sounds like a, a used car, right? So if you drive that car to the into the ground, it's yeah. going to be worth less value than if you sold it earlier on. That's right. That That's right. Uh, so what are some of the 
first of all, is selling a family business easier or more difficult than selling a non-family or traditional business? I really don't. I don't know if it's really harder or easier. Um, you know, um, it seems like most of the ones that we deal with are not family. Although a recent one did have some family aspects and there were some estate planning deficiencies and just also the shareholders is sometimes in Mississippi, you can have a really successful company, but you may have a couple of guys that own it that don't like to reduce stuff to writing a whole lot. And there can be some miscommunication. Um, and, you know, and if you have a deceased shareholder or something and so this stock is going to their family, it, it can, there can be some miscommunication there in that, in that situation. But on the whole, um, it, it, I don't really know if it's easier or hard. It depends on the situation. You may have family members that get along great. Uh, you may not. You may have shareholders that are not family and they get along great or, or not. It, it just kind of depends, you know, it, regardless of the deal or the, the situation, you know, you know, any kind of shareholder communication, shared visions, I, I kind of mentioned earlier, and the, all that's critically important, whether it's family or not. Um, yeah. I think we all know that sometimes family can have different dynamics of, uh, you know, and, um, you know, I've seen, you know, at the at the conference last year, you know, Lee Lampton talked about all the effort that they had put in, you know, at, at their company. And they have really been very purposeful about that. Um, and obviously, when you when you have that, I think that increases the odds for success if, you're, if there is going to be an exit or if it's just going to continue down through generations. And to that point, and I love how you alluded to a couple of things. First of all, our conference, which we hold annually here in sure. uh, the great state of Mississippi in the fall. So please come to that. Uh, also, yeah, though, in, ter in terms of miscommunication and writing things down and when do you plan to sell, do you try to plan it earlier or do you wait until emotions creep in like a good family always does when money comes to the table? <laughs> Uh, you start getting emotions in, into it. That's that's always a bad thing. I think <laughs> that, that's in, that's any situation, uh, especially when it comes to selling a company. Um, I, I don't know. Look, if they, you know, if you got a company, obviously at some point, you know, that's that's a big asset, and someone's going to have to. You're going to realize all your efforts that you put into this at some point, and so it, it's whether you are going to exit or not. There's you know, there's things that you need to do regardless. You know, but Sometimes maybe planning for an exit is is a good way to just keep things you know uh, high and tight, so to speak. You know, anyway. So it, but you know, small businesses in Mississippi they start out, you know, sometimes very organically, and you just never know how things are going to go. And and so if, if anybody's listening, you know, there's certain things that you got to do regardless, or that you know that and that'll help a buyer be more confident in what they're possibly buying. Um, you know, so that's there's just a lot of things to think about whether you know when you're going to do it or not, when or if. And that's a good segue to uh, my next question. So what are some approaches that you recommend to get families to agree on what, if any, assets will be retained uh, in the sale? Because I know a lot of these things come up, such as uh, intrafamily contracts, including things like real estate leases. How should you treat those type of aspects of the business? That is so unique to any deal. I mean, most transactions, you're either, if you're selling assets, you're going to sell substantially all of it. Um, you know, if, to the extent that you keep anything, it might be personal effects. Um, I, I can give an example from my own extended family, I guess, with the restaurant. You know, there's some, like a lot of photographs in the, from my great grandfather and stuff like that that uh, uh, 
you know, they wanted to keep those kinds of things. Those are personal things, but you can also, you know, license those out or whatever. Um, sometimes there might be assets like a, you know, another deal that we did had some real estate issues. Uh, and so we had to break those up um, and, and keep those in separate LLCs. And those were excluded from the sale. It just kind of depends as far as like things you're going to keep, um, you know, and then what does the buyer want? What do they don't want? You know, that, that kind of thing. So, well, well, I like how you alluded to a couple of points right there. So like a real estate asset, even though it may be owned by a single LLC, could you transfer the ownership to say another family owned LLC if you wanted to carve out something? Yeah, we, we've done that recently, but there, there were some specific reasons why they didn't want to sell the, the real estate. Um, some of it had to do with location. Some of it had to do with, there was just too much that the buyer just didn't want. Um, and so we had to kind of deed all that out and then basically lease a portion of that back to the buyer, um, for some period of time or, you know, for, you know, lease term or whatever. Um, that's kind of a unique thing that could happen. Um, I, I say unique, unique to each deal, but that was one example, I guess, better way of saying that. Excellent. Family-owned businesses account for 64% of the U.S. gross domestic product, generate 62% of the country's employment, and account for 78% of all new job creation. For more information on becoming a part of the Legacy Leadership Program, visit our website at olemiss.edu slash CIE. The Legacy Leadership Podcast is sponsored by the Ergon Foundation, Do Good Work, and the CELO Agency, Creative Vision, the ability to see what is and what can be. And so once again, uh, we're here with Cat Primos, and uh, we're talking about family-owned businesses. And I am once again here with Cat uh, Primos from Butler Snow here in Mississippi. And Cap, uh, talking about some of those different aspects, and I, th- I think one of the big things I've gotten so far from our conversation is the fact that if you want to do something, there is some flexibility built into this in terms of buying and selling assets, but you got to know ahead of time what you want to do before you get there. And to that point, that leads me to my next follow-up question here. Preferred legal structure in terms of a sale, uh, such as a C-Corp, S-Corp, LLC, sole proprietorship, uh, what are you thinking? Well, so I think kind of what you're getting at probably is, is, is really more, you know, what most tax efficient um, approach, um, you know, flow through entities like LLCs and S corps, you know, they it's, you can sell assets, but without, without having to worry about, uh, you know, double taxation, like you would on C corp level. Uh, whereas, you know, like, you know, the, if you sell assets out of a C corp, you've got the gain inside the company, it would get taxed um, there and then also get taxed when it's essentially dividended out and the proceeds to, to the seller. So that's what you, you know, that's not always very efficient. Um, so, but, LLCs, you know, you can still sell the equity there. Um, and, you know, of course, C-Corps, you, you, you sell that stock and you, know, you get capital gains straight which is a little bit more efficient. Um, you know, the assets for a buyer, buying assets, they can kind of pick and choose a little bit, you know, what they want, you know, and leave liabilities behind. Um, you know, so it, it, it all kind of depends, you know, selling equity is probably typically, it's going to be more tax efficient um, for, for a seller rather than assets um, on the whole. And I think you bring up a great point there because equity, once again, is uh, the ownership uh, that we're talking about there, percentage of ownership coming in. 
So if I were to say have a C corp, because there are obviously a lot of advantages to a C corp in mm-hmm. terms of liability and also ability to bring on investors and things of that nature. Sure. Uh, is that in a so selling equity would be the way I'd want to do it there in terms of tax efficiency, uh, in terms of time to pay lower fewer taxes on that sale. Yeah, yeah, typically, yeah, that's right. Um, you know, and but I mean, there, there's times where assets are going to be the only thing. Like I mentioned, there was a, a deal where, um, you know, there was a, a holding corp and it sold its assets, but part of the the assets that it sold was the stock of its of a primary operating company, um, and it it just sort of kind of had a combination of both there, um, you know, but it 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 the the planning, you know, how you set it up initially is important, you know, kind of starting with an LLC. It's usually easier to convert to a corporation later. Um, it's harder to go the other way. There's some tax issues with that. Uh, and I'm not a tax lawyer, so I don't, I'll, I'll avoid the, the details on that. That's probably beyond the scope of the time limits that we have here anyway. Um, but, you know, things that you got to think about is like if you're trying to raise money, for example, you know, you can do that with an LLC and a C-Corp with an S-Corp. You know, you have there's issues with that because there's you're limited the type of shareholders that you can have. You know, you can't have like an institutional investor, you know, another company that coming in because it's not an individual. Um, so that can, you know, that can affect how you raise money if you if you're doing that. So, um, but anyway, LLCs typically are more flexible from the start. Um, I found, but um, and sometimes I've seen some that end up converting when, especially when you have maybe a VC firm that puts money into it, they're going to want to convert to a C-Corp. And I think you hit on another head there. So once again, you guys can also convert a lot of these ownership forms if you plan ahead and have enough time to make the conversion from like a yeah, C-Corp. Yeah, you can. That's right. But there can be, you know, you got to watch for tax, any adverse tax consequences when you do that. Okay, so, fair. So once again, talk to a tax attorney before you start converting back and forth between sure. different forms. Uh, and also historically, I mean, not historic LLCs are much cheaper to form, and they provide a lot they of are, benefits. That's right, and they're they're more they're more flexible. Um, you know, with an operating agreement, you don't have all the kind of corporate formalities that you do with the with the corporation. So sometimes when you first get going, sometimes that's the easiest way to do it. So earlier on, you, you talked about kind of cleaning up the business a little bit to get it ready to sell. Sure. So how, if, if I'm a family business, what should I do to, quote, clean up uh, before attempting or before putting the company on the market? What what type of things would you look for that you say, well, that would be some, like circle something? Yeah. On, uh, so I'm a, well, I like to call myself a reformed accountant. I'm, I'm still a CPA, although I don't, I don't actually <laughs> Uh, <laughs> practice it, but you know, accounting credibility is 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 really important. You want a buyer to be comfortable with seller's financials. I mean, and that's kind of stating the obvious, but I think you'd kind of be surprised at what you what you see out there. You know, when you have closely held you know companies, you know, that, that, you know, especially in a family. I mean, it, it, it that's that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, but but there are just things that you've got to do to make sure that a buyer's can be comfortable with that. Um, you know, a lot of times buyer will do a quality of earnings analysis, you know, to make sure that things are good. They're looking at, you know, how you account for things. There may be some things that you got to add back when you're trying to get to a EBITDA number. Um, you know, other things, you got taxes, you got environmental risk. If you got a lot of real estate, you know, getting phase one to make sure that those things are, you know, kind of high and tight, uh, you know, uh, employee benefits, retirement plans, 
intellectual property ownership. If you've got a lot of intellectual property, you want to make sure that the company owns it. If you've got somebody who has, you know, worked on it, you know, have they, you know, kind of, has it been kind of properly assigned to the company so that it's an asset of the company? Um, you know, getting all this done before going to market is, is just, it's just huge. Cause if you have to do it what, during the process, it just causes more time to go by and the buyer gets nervous about something. You just you just never know. So getting it all high and tight, getting your the proverbial house ready to sell is just a it, it is it's huge. That's excellent, and I love how you point there because you think about one of the things about family businesses are you know a family may own the, all the ownership, right? It may have all the equity. Mm-hmm. Flip side though is there could be multiple family members with shares. Sure. And so if I'm a buyer, I may look at that as a potential problem because someone could hold out or do it wherever they want to right there. So how are you going to consolidate? Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Sure. No, yeah. I mean, there, there's things you can do with that and setting up voting structures, you know, um, you know, who can vote there's, you know, whether it's an, you know, you can have mechanisms to get to drag someone along, so to speak, or, you know, or, um, there, there's some things you can do some techniques that you can do to deal with that. Um, but again, with family and shareholders, as long as everybody communicates, that's going to go a long way to, to, helping people know what's going on when the time comes. So anyway, sorry, I feel like I interrupted you just there. No, far from it. So Cap, I got one last question for you before we wrap up. So I've done all these great things. What do you, how do you market a family business to sell? Um, you know, the, the best, the best way to do it is have an auction. It's like anything else. Um, if you've got multiple people that are going to bid on it, you're typically going to have, um, uh, you know, get better deal terms if they're competing for it. Um, so, you know, if you have initial discussions, you know, if you decide you're going to go through it, you know, depending upon the value of the company, you know, it, it's probably wise to hire a good investment banker who can conduct that, you know, if they can, they have contacts to be able to go out, you know, do a nationwide process to find potential buyers um, to come in and, and make bids on the company. And there's kind of a process that you kind of go through that as you whittle those down and hopefully find someone, you know, you can go with if it's a good fit. Um, so that, that's the best way to get, you know, good price and also good deal terms too. You know, there's other aspects other than price. So. Excellent. And I was going to say, and so if I were to try to do an auction, I would potentially come to someone like yourself or Butler snow and say, Hey, I want to sell my company. What do we need to do? And then you would try to create almost bot, try to create awareness of this opportunity basically. Yeah. And, and you know, in, Again, you know, if we, there's there's investment banking firms that we've worked with, and, and sometimes we have kind of what you call a bake off, and so you can you can contact some, and they can kind of put their best foot forward to see who the client client may want to go with as uh, their as their banker. You know, banker is kind of like a real estate agent; they're going to be the ones that help you market the business and um, get get and and also just advise you on some of the things that we're talking about as far as getting getting ready to go um, as well. I mean, they've got a lot of financial. Uh, expertise and, and things like that, that they can, they can provide and, um, and, and kind of help walk through that. So, and, and there's, we've worked, we've had the benefit of working with some, some good ones recently. So um, something, you know, not, not all of them are, are great, but uh, uh, depends on where they're located and, and how you get along with them and all that kind of stuff. But by and large, it's going to be, it's going to add value um, to your deal above and beyond what you have to pay them to do it. Excellent, Cap. And Cap, thank you for joining us today and and helping uh, inform our listeners, including myself here, about ways to help facilitate a sale if it gets to that stage for the family business. 
and they need to look to sell the company or sell different assets or aspects of the company uh, going forward. So thank you very much for being here. Yeah, glad to do it. Thank you and have a great week. Thank you for listening to this edition of Family Owned, a legacy leadership podcast, exploring family businesses who make up the backbone of the American economy. Join us next time to gain invaluable insight into your family business and how to make generational advancements for your family, industry, and community.